What's up, y'all? Tanner Demling back with y'all again for another episode of the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Y'all can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, anywhere where you get your podcast. Subscribe, like, and leave us a rating. Check out the site, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. How y'all doing? Welcome back uh, to another Lacrosse Bucket podcast. Um, I, no, I just want to start this episode by you know, just saying, you know, what a um, I think is on all of our minds um, right now is, you know, it's 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 been a a pretty Crazy, um, emotional past couple of days for many across the globe um, with the passing of um, of Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gigi, um, and the seven others on that helicopter. Um, you know, it, you know, I remember when. Just, I mean, it seems like it was just last year when we saw him, uh, you know, say his goodbye to basketball um, with with his last season there. You know, I'll never forget him, you know, taking the mic or whatever, uh, putting it on the on on the center of the Lakers logo and saying, I believe he said Mamba out or something. Along those lines, um, you know, it's 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 unfathomable that he is gone. Um, it's unfathomable what what happened um, on Sunday, and just you know, when I heard the news, just chills just went down my spine, and um, just you know, talking about it is very very. Um, much the same, um, but do just wanted to start this out by acknowledging that, and you know, my heart and uh, condolences go out to the Bryant family and uh, you know the families of the other seven um, victims that were involved. Um, it's you know, Kobe Bryant was a impact, you know, made an impact on and off the court. Um, he, you know, his life legacy transcends far beyond basketball. Um, you know, he, he impacted people of every nation. Um, his, you know, with the way he competed, how he handled himself, what, you know, what he was doing after basketball. Um, and I mean, it's just, um, it doesn't seem real yet. I, I think for many of us, um, you know, I, every time I throw something away, you know, you say Kobe, um, I mean that, that will never stop, um. And again, it's just been a very, very emotional couple of days in the world of sports and beyond that. Um, it's, it's just un, unthinkable um, news that we all received on Sunday afternoon. And again, my heart condolences go out to all the victims of that deadly helicopter crash in Calabasas on Sunday morning. Now, got that out of the way, obviously, very, very tough weekend. Um, For many across the sports world, but we also had some lacrosse games take place in the NLL. The Blues, five, six games, you know, five games over the weekend, one on Friday, 
Philly on Saturday, one on Sunday. Starting off here on Friday night, the Philadelphia Wings defeated the New York Riptide 14-6. to You know, this is one, it started out pretty good. The first half was pretty good for, for both teams. It seemed it was very, very even in the beginning. Um, that second half, though, something just clicked for Philadelphia. Uh, they went on, on a 4-1 run in the third and a 5-0 run in the fourth to end the game and secure that win. A eight-point win for the Wings as they get back on track after going 1-1 uh, the weekend prior. Good, good game for Zach Higgins. 51 saves off of 57 shots on goal. You saw Brett Hickey put up five goals and one assist. Kyle Matisse, two goals and four assists. Kevin Crowley, one goal and six assists as well. Um, New York, their offense was more so. Tyler Digby, two goals, two assists there. And then you had Dan Lomas play, uh, have a goal. Ryan Fournier had a goal. Connor Kelly had a goal. It was more sporadic. John Luke Chetner had one goal, one assist. Um, so the Riptide could not capitalize there after getting their first win just a weekend to go. And then losing on, was that Sunday? Got their first win on Saturday. Lose again on Sunday. Lose again on Friday. And they lost again on Saturday, losing to New losing to San Diego on Long Island, uh, fifteen to eleven. You know this is one. Honestly, like I just felt like New York, they just did not have the ability on the defensive end to slow down a San Diego offense. Though we know, even with Austin Stotts still out with that ACL injury that he suffered last was it April March. Um, this is still an offense with Westberg that and Connor Fields and Zach Greer, who had three goals, one assist in this one, that can really go off at any time. Uh, Westberg had five points, two goals, three assists. And honestly, it, this one came down to those big runs that San Diego was able to go on uh, late in the first and then early in the, really throughout the third, uh, you know, New York only had one goal in the third. Um, San Diego went on another mini run in the fourth and really just put this in a one away early. And while New York was able to kind of clean things up for a bit and, and, and look like they were coming back in, just, just was not their night. Um, for the Riptide, you know, Tyson Gibson and John Luke Chetner uh, each had five points, three goals to assist there. Connor Kelly had three assists and one goal. Um, Tyler Digby, two goals, four assists. So you had some more balance from the Riptide in this game, but ultimately they just weren't able to get it done. And I know it was a big night, you know, on Long Island. They made a big deal out of it with Miles Jones making his debut. But honestly, like nothing, he didn't do too much. And you know, you had people on Twitter talking about why, why they put Jones in. Why they do that? You know, why would they think that he would help? I don't know. Um, and again, like San Diego didn't have Frank Siliano. Uh, Nick Demude had to start in cage, and he I thought he did a fantastic job. Um, Connor Kiernan was the backup, um, and you know he, he ultimately did not have to play, but still, um, a good one for Nick Demude. A good one for San Diego to get back on track there after they've had a rough start to the season. Next up here, the last two games of Saturday were pretty pretty decent ones. You had Buffalo 13, Colorado 12 in overtime. That one in Colorado, I mean, and this is one, you know, I, you know watching this one, you kind of thought that Buffalo was going to run away with it early on as they got up 
seven to four at the half. And Josh Byrne went off. Um, he had three goals in the first half. All three of them could have made Sports Center. Um, one of them did. I believe he was number five on Sports Center on uh, Sunday. It was just unreal what he what he did. Um, seven goals, I believe, in this game. Seven goals, one assist for eight points. I mean. He carried Buffalo in this win. And Buff like Colorado with Ryan Lee having five goals was able to come back into it after getting down there. Um going into the second half. And Colorado came back. I mean, credit to them. They did everything in their power. Their defense shut down Buffalo. Um not completely, but they weren't giving them the same chances that they were in the first half. And uh, when you got a goalie like Dylan Ward and Cage, um, take away any angle, and, and I mean he can do it. He he can do it. Uh, he didn't necessarily have the best game of his career. Um, second and, and fourth quarter, especially, were not too spectacular. But you know it, it was a good back and forth game overall. Um, Corey Small with, and I want to talk about this, the game-winning goal here, like, I know a lot of people think that, I mean, honestly, you know, Corey, you know, Dane Smith and Chase Frazier get to assist on the goal, Corey Small gets the goal, and I can't remember which uh, Colorado defenseman it was, but they, Colorado defenseman trying, because it, it, I think it hit, it hit Ward, and then kind of bounced. And so, like, he was trying to keep it out of the goal, but ultimately knocked it in. And, uh, I mean, they didn't lose. I mean, that just absolutely – that that is a it, – it's it's rough enough to, to lose by one, to lose in overtime. But to lose like that – and, I mean, I know even, you know, um, Buffalo talking about it after the game, they're like, you know, it, it – you know, we'll take the win, but, uh, you know, feel bad that it happened that way. And it, it, it's a stinker to lose like that. Um, and, I mean, they played fantastic. I thought both teams did. And the back-and-forth nature of this game, uh, Matt Vince played spectacular, I thought, stopping a lot of things, especially early on there for Buffalo. Halifax and Calgary, the second game of the Altona Cup, which um, – if y'all don't know, the Altona Cup is the in-season tournament. The NLL is starting this year between the five, five, is that right? Saskatchewan, Vancouver, Calgary, Halifax, Toronto. Am I missing anybody? Halifax, Saskatchewan, Vancouver, Calgary, Toronto. Yeah, five five Canadian franchises um, competing in a regular season tournament for the Altona Cup. Sponsored by Altona Bank, um, which isn't—it's not one of the bigger banks in Canada, but it's—it's—it's a, it's, it's a fairly good, good-sized bank in Canada um, that's sponsoring this tournament. So, no, well, interested to see how, uh, see how that goes. This was the, just the second game of, between two Canadian franchises this year, um, and this one, honestly, like Halifax got off to a slow start in this one. And then that third quarter, they turned it on, outscored Calgary nine to two in the third alone. I mean, and that's that's the game changer right there. Uh, Stephen Keogh played out of his mind, five goals in this one for the Thunderbirds. Clark Peterson had three goals and one assist as well. So did Cody Jamison. Uh, those three guys really kind of leading the way. Mike Burke again putting his passing display on this, putting his passing abilities on display with six assists. Um, Calgary really got off to a hot start. They were able to um, keep things close down the stretch, even when Calgary got up thirteen to eight uh, early. Uh, I guess. Yeah, early in the fourth, just a few seconds into the final period there. And um, Calgary was able to kind of pull back in, but 
ultimately um, was not enough as Halifax comes away at the 15-12 victory. In this one, uh, Curtis Dixon, Tyler Pace, absolutely uh, fantastic games for both of them for Calgary. Another overtime game, one goal game, a lot of one goal uh, close games this weekend, uh, two overtime ones. Georgia hands New England their first loss of the season, 11 to 10 in overtime. And Georgia had to come back in that fourth quarter. And this is something that we saw last year a lot with them, where their defense would kind of shut down in the third. And then who would you have to put it on to get you back in the game and get the win? Lyle Thompson. Well, today, Sunday, I should say, it was Miles Thompson's game. Miles Thompson has five points, two goals, three assists, including the game winner in overtime, uh, which was off a, I believe it was a Shane Jackson uh, shot that he got the rebound and uh, put it back um, to get the win for the Swarm as they beat New England in what was a very back-and-forth game. No team really broke away until New England late in that third, and um, Georgia ultimately able to come back in, tie it up late and late, uh, and uh, get get the win in overtime. I mentioned Miles Thompson had a great day. Shane Jackson, I thought this is one of the better one of the better performances I've seen from Shane Jackson in the NLL. Had six points, three goals, four assists in this one. Also scooped up seven loose balls. New England, you know, you saw. Calum, you saw Andrew Q uh, play very well. You saw Calum Crawford play very well. Uh, Andrew Q had two goals and two assists. Calum Crawford, two goals and three assists. Both goaltenders, I thought, you know, didn't necessarily have the best games of the year, but uh, played very well, especially down the stretch there. Uh, Doug Jamison for New England and Mike Poulin for Georgia. Now that is the uh, the weekend that was in the NLL. It's a it's a lighter weekend here. Super Bowl weekend coming up. Just three games on. Well, actually, five games. I forgot we're going into a new month here. Uh, five games. I just said that, but we're going into a new month here. Five games this weekend, including. So I'll, I'll, I'll go off here. We have Halifax going to. This is on, is Friday the 31st, I believe? Friday is the 31st. We have three on Friday. Halifax at Toronto, Georgia at Philadelphia, Rochester at Buffalo. On Saturday, we have two games, Vancouver at New England, and the big one, the big one in Las Vegas, Nevada, Colorado at San Diego. This is going to be a historic game for the National Lacrosse League and for professional lacrosse overall. Playing at Orleans Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, the Colorado Mammoth, and the San Diego Seals. San Diego is the home team. Colorado is the visitors. And, um, you know, I, I, I know there's going to be a lot of people down there in Vegas. It's Super Bowl weekend. Um, the Super Bowl is not in Las Vegas. It is in Miami, but um, a lot of people like to be in Vegas for the Super Bowl for um, betting reasons, I guess. And um, you know, going to be a great weekend of lacrosse coming up in the NRL. That is our weekend recap for what happened last weekend in the NLL. Now let's move to my interview with, I didn't mention our guest off the top, did I? Uh, With Cleveland State head coach Andy German coming on the show. Uh, Andy German just getting named the head coach back in the fall for the Vikings, uh, taking over 
for Dylan Sheridan, who left to be an assistant at Ohio State. Gentlemen, has been on the staff at Cleveland State uh, since the program's inception, has run the defense for the past couple of years for them. They've had a top 20 defense every year that he's been there. He now takes over the reins as head coach here in 2020. And here's my interview with Cleveland State head coach Andy German. So, uh, first off, you know, I uh, pretty much ask anyone this who comes on the show, but uh, how did you get into lacrosse and then uh, what made you want to get into coaching? Uh, yeah, first off, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, appreciate you, you being on and um, having me on. Excuse me. Um, got into lacrosse, um, you know, right around nine or ten years old. Um, kind of started to pick up steam back in um, Philadelphia, right outside of Philadelphia there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a, a youth league, um, you know, that my buddies were all getting involved in. And so um, joined in and, and just kind of took it from there and uh, played baseball and lacrosse, but, you know, through eighth grade and then uh, had to make the decision in high school and uh, you know, obviously chose lacrosse. And, uh, and, and that's, uh, that's kind of how it all how it all began. And then, uh, you know, this spring marks your uh, first year as a head, head college coach. Um, you know, from when you were announced as the head coach to now, what are maybe some things that you've had to learn or uh, do differently than you previously had? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, some of the things that, that I took from Coach Sheridan, um, you know, first and foremost was just his preparation and the mm-hmm. way he went about his business. Um, you know, we would, you know, as an assistant coach, sometimes, you know, you're dealing with some different things and, and you know, the, the head coach is dealing with different things and you're kind of all working together. Um, but things would happen, right? There'd be, you know, whether it's notes to the guys that practice about career services, community service, or, or different things like that. And um, that takes time. Um, you have to think about your message to the guys and, and how you present information and, um you know, that was, that was always coach Sheridan's thing. And so when I took over the job, I, I realized pretty quickly um, that I needed to, to be better in those areas um, that I needed to, to put a little bit more time and thought, um, you know, whether it was in a practice plan or a drill or um, just notes to the guys about um, what's going on that day or that week. Um, because, that stuff over time adds up, right? It adds up in, in terms of organization and in our guys' lives and, and getting things done and being prepared and um, not standing up in front of them and just kind of rambling on and, um, you know, then nothing gets done. So um, that was that was really important. Um, right from the jump, I realized pretty quickly that I needed to put a little bit more time and thought in, into what I was doing, make sure I was organized, um, had my ducks in a row before I – you know, address the team, um, whether it's a practice or a team meeting or a film session. So um, that happened pretty quick. Mm. And then, uh, you know, you mentioned Coach Sheridan. Um, has, uh, have you reached out to either him or any other uh, uh, head coaches that you know for any advice? Uh, sure. Yeah, especially early on. Mm-hmm. Um, coaches coaches were great. Um you know, whether it was, you know, obviously Coach Coach Sheridan and, you know, even though that I was here, um, you know, virtually every step of the way that he yeah. was the head coach, um, he still went through different things as, as a head coach does. And so talking with him and, and at that point it's a, it's on a different level, um, you know, was, was really valuable. And, um, you know, early on I, I heard from a number of coaches and, um, uh, you know, I, I won't name any. It's, yeah. I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll forget, um, you know, but there were definitely – you know, some guys and um, that I was very, very appreciative to hear from. And, and, and some of it was just out of the blue, um, you know, just to say, hey, if you ever need anything. And uh, and that was really special because um, there were times, you know, where you're sitting sitting there at the office at your desk thinking, you know, I don't I don't know what to do here. Um, and so knowing that guys um, were, were willing to pick up the phone and, and talk you through something because, you know, whatever I was going through, somebody else has already been through for the most part. And so um, to lean on, on guys within the, the coaching community here was, was huge. And then, uh, you know, you, you were already on staff. Um, how much do you think that helped kind of ease the transition, not only for the players, 
uh, but also for the coaching staff that you kept on as well? I think it was huge. I think it was huge. And, um, you know, I think about some of these other, you know, the new head coaches this year, and I, I, I can't even fathom kind of what they went through, whether, you know, one comes to mind, right? Coach, Coach Stimmel coming, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we have Marquette this weekend and, you know, there he is. He's got, you know, he's got two young kids and he's coming from Connecticut and he's going to Milwaukee. I mean, just the thought of, of that is, is insane on top of taking over, you know, an unknown, right. He, you know, I know he had coached there in the past, but you know, it's a different title. It's a different, you know, you know, it's, it's different. Um, it's not going to be the same. And so, you know, to kind of walk into a different locker room and a, a new city and everything, I, I can't even imagine, um, what, what that was like for, for some of these guys who have to, you know, kind of pick up and, and their whole lives are, are kind of turned around. And so I was very lucky in that sense. Um, I, I knew every kid in the locker room. I recruited every, you know, virtually every single one of them. Um, you know, I knew the, the administration, I knew where the facilities, where we were practicing, when we were practicing the train, you know, all of it, um, was very, very familiar. And so I think, it went a long way um, in easing my transition. It went a long way from our, our players in terms of their transition because it is a it's a transition for them. Um, you know, even though I was here, I have to wear a different hat, and the, the you know the relationship is going to change slightly. Um, but I think it definitely helped at least early on settle settle things down. Um, you know, just because I, I I knew the way Cleveland State operated, you know, whether it's academically or um, you know, athletically or, or what have you, I, I kind of knew the ins and outs of this place. And so um, I was very fortunate for that. And, and like I said, I, you know, I give those guys who were able to, you know, take new jobs and, and change their lives and, and, and keep things going the way they are um, a, a ton of credit. And then, uh, you know, y'all start your season on Saturday and you had a pretty good 2019 campaign. Uh, what are kind of your expectations for, this season and how do you uh, keep things building yeah i think uh going going forward here right this is our first year with seniors mm-hmm. and so every year is, has been a little bit different um and you know every year you, you kind of don't know what to expect right we started this thing with um almost all freshmen except for mm-hmm. one and uh you know the next year we had you know two classes we had sophomores and freshmen and we thought we you know, we had upperclassmen, um, but we still didn't have, you know, really any juniors or seniors. Um, and then that, that third year, right, so last year we, you know, we had juniors and we had guys living off campus and we had, you know, all these different stuff going on that um, was just unique to our program. And so going into this year, right, first time we're, in theory, playing with a full deck, right? Mm-hmm. You have four classes, you have, you know, freshmen, you got seniors, you got everything in between. Um, I don't. I don't totally know what to expect. You know, our guys have, our older guys have played a ton of games. They've played against the best competition. They've kind of seen it all. Um, you know, so I, I, I think the, the expectations are high. Um, but it doesn't mean that we're going to, you know, win every game or, or, you know, last year was a great year. Um, and we obviously, the goal is, is to do better every year than the year before. Um, but it takes a lot of work. Um, takes a lot of bounces to go your way and um, you know even though we have all of that experience uh, we're gonna have to, to fight and call for everything because we're not sneaking up on anybody anymore right mm-hmm. people know who we are um, you know we've we were over 500 last year and, and we're very proud of that but it's a whole new year so um, you know like I said the expectations are high um, and but I don't totally know what that looks like um, because I don't know what our ceiling is because we've never done it before so I'm just uh, I'm excited to be along for the ride here and get it going um, in a couple of days. Right. And then, uh, you know, y'all open up against Marquette. Uh, what are you uh, kind of looking for in your team? And then what are your feelings coming into your first game as a head coach? Yeah, it's um, I'm looking for a team that's going to come into to Cleveland, um, you know, trying to exact a little bit of revenge from last year. Um, you know they're going to play hard. You know they're going to play fast, right, Coach Bouillon? Uh, they play fast at Hobart. You know that's that's kind of his mo um, in the past, and he's been extremely successful with it. Um, Yale was as tough um, physically a team as there was um, in the NCAA over the past few years, um, and so they're going to play fast. They're going to be physical. They're going to be organized. You know all the things that 
you know, Yale, Hobart, um, obviously with Coach Richards was there. Um, all of those things, um, that's what I expect to come in here. And it's going to be an absolute dogfight um, on Saturday. Um, and uh, being at the first game, we're going to have to kind of feel each other out on the fly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's no film. You know, there's, you know, even though our guys returned and there's some, some known commodities from what we had last year, Right, all those guys are a little different, um, and and the same thing from our kids. So what a kid, you know, was as you know a freshman or a sophomore. You know, he's now a junior. He's, he's different. He's a different player. Um, you know, juniors that maybe didn't see a ton of the field are are now seniors and they're leaders. And you know, you can't go off of last year's stats. And so it'll be a unique challenge, especially um, first game as a head coach. You know, obviously for for myself and then and then Coach Stimmel as well. Um, we're gonna have to kind of digest the game as it goes and we're going to have to make some changes on the fly and we're going to have to um you know make some tweaks here and there where you know maybe later in the year we're able to watch some film and have a little bit more of a plan going in um from a scouting perspective um we don't we don't get that luxury so we're going to have to uh you know, kind of figure things out here on the fly a bit and that's uh and that'll be a challenge uh, you know in itself i guys want to thank andy joman for coming on the show. It's great to hear from him as him and the Vikings uh, start their 2020 season this Saturday. Speaking of the 2020 NCAA season, it starts on Saturday, fellas, as, as, as mentioned, and there are plenty of games this weekend in the NCAA in Division One, I. I do want to go over a couple notes prior to getting into or diving into the weekend that is to be in the you know, in the NCAA. Now, first off, I do want to mention uh, Grant Ament. We do not know what his status was exactly for Penn State's scrimmages over the weekend. Uh, He did have surgery on his foot that he did injure in 2018. Back in 2018, and now he had surgery on that back again in November. So we don't know the extent of it. We don't know what... He's been doing a practice, but he did have surgery and is recovering from it. And, I mean, from you know, everything that you've seen, you know, Penn State's not commenting on on injuries, but from everything I've seen, he's been practicing and all of that. So uh, we'll see. You know, they, they start the season against Lafayette, so, you know, that's not really a game that you're too worried about if you're Penn State, but... um. We'll see if he does, uh, you know, if he does get limited time. And I believe that's one of those Big Ten Plus streamed games. So not many will see that. Anyways, um, also Andrew Patet uh, is coming back as a fifth-year senior. He had that ACL injury last year. He's coming back as a fifth-year senior at Lehigh, um, as, as reported back in the fall. Go back end of spring last year. He will be coming back, so he will be back in full this weekend or next weekend or whenever Lehigh starts. They start Lehigh starts next weekend against Utah, so he is expected to be back in full there for the Mountain Hawks. Also, uh, this happened a few weeks ago, but. Just getting um, onto it here. So, Jack Ray Pine, senior defenseman at Johns Hopkins, has left the program. Um, Put inside lacrosse, he is going to finish his degree at Hopkins or intends to do so. Um, whether he enters the transfer portal at the end of the year or not and tries to play as a grad transfer. You know, is still up in the air. Uh, I would expect that he probably would, 
but uh, Jack Lapine not with the Blue Jays this fall. He is uh, definitely, a, that's a big loss for Hopkins' defense. And apparently, he didn't really get much playing time this in, in the fall. In those scrimmages, he's been he's been starting um, since he joined the program in 2016 or in 2017 season. He started almost 50 games there, so um, not exactly sure what transpired between him and either the coaching staff or or whatever. But uh, Jack Rapine no longer with the Johns Hopkins Blue Jays. Now, getting to the weekend preview here, a lot of things to kind of keep your eye on as the weekend comes in NCAA lacrosse, specifically Division One. Um, no, for those interested in D two and D three, there's not really like that many games this weekend. Um, I know D three, a lot of you know NESCAC schools, they will start like in March usually. Um. Like, I don't believe there's that many uh, you know, notable games, I should say. I know there's like one or two D2 games, but um, not too many that I've, that I've seen um, this weekend. Now, things really, really get underway next weekend. Uh, that's why many call this weekend kind of week zero in college lacrosse. Um, so... Just some things to keep in mind this weekend. Some big news here. Um, obviously, you know, we just talked to Coach German at Cleveland State. He will be one of four new head coaches making their debut this weekend. Um, Andy German at Cleveland State and Andrew Stimmel at Marquette. Stimmel comes to Marquette from Yale where he was the Offensive coordinator. Then Rashad DeVoy, new head coach at Hampton, will make his debut as they take on NJIT, NJIT on Saturday. And then Andy Whitley will make his debut as the head coach at Bellarmine on Saturday as they travel out to Salt Lake City and take on Utah. Also, we have the Day Division One debut of Merrimack coming off two Division Two national championship runs. Twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, they move up to Division One, following the footsteps of Bryant, who made the same jump in two thousand and nine. They're now back in the same conference again in the NEC. LIU also makes the jump to Division One in 2020, but they will not begin play for another week or so. Um, LIU is formerly LIU Post, for y'all that don't know that. Uh, they changed. LIU Post, LIU Brooklyn combined athletic departments and changed names. LIU, LIU is now the athletic department of uh, the, the Sharks. Uh, they probably have the best colorway, color scheme in Division One lacrosse. Honestly, it's like it's like a I don't know. It's 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 lighter than like it's not Carolina blue, but it's not. It's really close to it, and it's yellow. Um, real good. Uh, Sharks. I I don't know if I understand that, but hey, it it works for them. Um, and it won a contest they did among the students, I believe. Um. The Warriors make the division, the jump from D2 to D1 with uh, two-time Division II player of the year, Charlie Bertrand. Excited to see what he does at the Division I level. Uh, Merrimack begins their Division I stint against Holy Cross. I actually did, interviewed head coach Mike Morgan back in the winter about their transition to D1 and kind of his expectations and um all of that, and I'll link that article in the show notes here. We also have another couple debuts to talk about here in Week Zero. Chris Gray taking his talents to Chapel Hill 
after entering the transfer portal over the summer from Boston U, shipping down to Chapel Hill. He will be with the Tall Heels this weekend, making his debut. I've seen some clips from some scrimmages. Looks as good as ever. Um, all eyes will be on him this weekend. And the Tall Heels, as they take on Colgate on Saturday, at their, I guess it's not new anymore, but newish, I should say. Uh, it's the second year of it. Their new lacrosse facility, lacrosse stadium down there. I believe it's also for field hockey and soccer as well. Um, but very, very nice, nice facility they have down there now. The Goldmouth also makes its debut this weekend. Um, if y'all don't know, the Goldmouth, you know, the dive came back last year in the shot clock. Okay. Both created a lot of debate and all of that, but the Goldmouth comes back now. Uh, not back, but the Goldmouth comes in now. And I don't really know how I feel about it yet. I haven't seen it in action, like live. So I'm going to have to see it live to, before I get a full view on it. But it's essentially like what I tell people is like, it's a lot like the, the semicircle under the basket in basketball. It's a lot like that. And like, the, so if you dive, you can't land in that, essentially. But I don't know. You know, I'm a fan of the dive. I like the dive. I know a lot of goalies don't like it, and I understand, like, the safety issue there. But here's the thing. If you can do it in box, and, like, like I honestly just think every league should, you know, obviously I don't think we need diving in, in, in grade school or in, in middle school class. Like, that's, that's ridiculous. But if you're going to allow guys to dive in the NLL, I think those rules – while boxing field are different disciplines, you can make a rule. I mean, the diving, you know, I like that rule. I like it. I think we could make it in the NCAA. It would need, need some tweaking to because it is a different discipline. It would need some tweaking of the language and all of that. But I think that's probably the way to go. Uh, but we're trying something here to uh, try to make the dive more, you know, the whole purpose of the shot clock was to take it out of the referee's hands. They took it out of their hands and put something else in their hands to judge. And the officiating on it was not always the best, uh, to be honest. And, you know, that, that, that's just the way it goes. That, that is just the way it goes. Um, getting into the games this weekend. So... There are what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, eleven games, thirteen games this weekend. Starting at eleven a.m., we have Cleveland State and Marquette. That's at Cleveland State. Then Bucknell and Furman will play in excuse me in Durham, North Carolina. Not exactly sure why, but they play in Durham. NJIT in Hampton, UNC in Colgate, we have Jacksonville and Detroit Mercy, Mercy plays Division II Florida Tech, no that is not a scrimmage, that is a regular season game, yes, Mercy plays a Division II school to start the year, don't ask me why, they just do. No, they won one game last year, so I, I really don't know. Uh, Penn State plays Lafayette. Boston U plays Providence. Rutgers plays Quinnipiac. Merrimack plays Holy Cross. Merrimack's Division One debut, as mentioned. Maryland plays High Point. Duke plays Air Force. And Utah plays Bellarmine. And I know there's been a lot of talk about where to watch these games. Um, I'm going to put out a, you know, kind of what to watch week zero post on lacrossebucket.com. And I'll link and and I'll have a, have a, a schedule at the bottom. It's a table and I've linked, I'm still trying to find some other ones that haven't been posted yet. Uh, but I'll link all the places where you can watch these games. Um, I do want to mention UNC and Duke. Both of those games will be on 
the ACC Network. So if you do not have the ACC Network, you cannot watch those games. Uh, even if you have an ESPN Plus subscription, you cannot watch the ACC Network. It'll be listed on there, but you cannot watch it because you do not have a cable provider. You have to have a cable provider that carries the network to watch that. Utah and Bellarmine will be on the Pac-12 network. It's like the Pac-12 network plus, I believe. Um, what I did last year was I got Sling TV. I literally I signed up for the, uh, the seven-day trial, watched Utah, and deleted it, and then I cleared the cookies and everything on the computer, and I was able to do it a couple different times. Um, when I wanted to watch Utah play, and they were on the Pac-12 network, so that's that's how I did that. Um, so that's your that's your breakdown of where to watch these games. Um, most of most of the other ones are streamed online. Uh, Jacksonville, I know, is on the radio, so no stream there that I can find um, as of Monday. Some of the you know wrapping up here with some of the more interesting games that. Y'all should be aware of this weekend. Um, And, like, the one for me, like, UNC Colgate is one that I'm intrigued by. You know, Cleveland State Marquette obviously has its, you know, it has its, you know, rumble there, or buzz, whatever you want to call it, with two new head coaches. Um, NJIT in Hampton obviously has a buzz there. I'll probably watch that one. Um, but UNC Colgate is the one that I'm looking at and Maryland and High Point and Duke and Air Force. Obviously, all of those teams are top-tier teams. Uh, there's at least one top-tier team in that in those games. Um, UNC Colgate, you know, obviously with Chris Gray, I think I'm interested to see what UNC does this year, interested to see what Will Bowen looks like if he's if he's come back fully healthy from tearing his ACL um, a year ago as a freshman and then having to redshirt uh, with the Tall Heels last year. Maryland and High Point, we know what High Point did last year. They were one of the better teams outside of the ACC and Big Ten. Uh, probably should have made the tournament, but you know, shot themselves in the foot too many times to get that auto bid. Um, and, I mean, they beat Duke. They beat UVA last year, who won the national championship. So, to see what Asher Nolting looks like, I mean, they lose Tim Troutner. They lose Chris Young. So, you know, interested to see there what Maryland and High Point, uh, what both squads look like. And I think Maryland, this is probably another, not necessarily a comeback year for them, um, but, you know, they didn't make the championship weekend last year. So, I think they think they have a little something to prove this year. Duke and Air Force. So the Falcons have taken down the Blue Devils before. Uh, but I do like the Blue Devils this year with Nakai Montgomery. You have Tony Upgren returning in goal. A lot of returners from last year's squad for the Blue Devils. And um it, you know, it'd be interesting to see how all that flows together. You know, they did trip up a bit last year. Um, they usually start with two. SoCon opponents, they beat Foman last year and then lost to High Point. You know, this year they will play Air Force and then High Point on the 8th, which is, I believe, another Tuesday or Wednesday night game. And, I mean, that's one that... Okay, that is a Saturday. So, back-to-back Saturdays play... SoCon teams, I honestly think could give them some trouble. Um, I'm not going to go out on a limp and say that High Point is going to upset Duke this year because I think High Point has some pieces missing that you know they just can't replace. But um, it 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 should be an exciting game there against uh, the Falcons in Durham. You know, Merrimack, I'm obviously interested to see what. Charlie Botron does at the Division One level against Holy Cross, though. You know they also have an they don't have a new head coach. They have a head coach that has been pushed up 
um, Jose. He was the interim last year, has now had the interim tag removed. Um, probably, I'll end with this, probably the under-the-radar game of the week is Boston U and Providence. Okay? Boston U loses Chris Gray. We know that. Providence loses a couple of pieces as well. Tate Boyce and goal um, is one of their biggest losses. But if you look back at the series between these two, like there's been some of the better regular season games um, are between the Terriers and the Flyers. And literally separated by maybe what ten minutes from each, uh, thirty minutes from the, from each other. You know, Timmy Lay was 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 pretty good as a freshman last year for the Terriers. Um, there's a couple other guys too that I think can really step up. Um, Joe McSorley is a senior in goal. You know, he's one of the best goalies in the country, so uh, to watch him go to work there. And then also, I mean, Providence, they lose their top two scores, but I mean, so does um, Boston, and they both do. Um, But they both have some young talent that really stepped up last year and just uh, seeing where they both are. I don't expect either team to really make a push nationally um, or really even in their own respective conference. I think, Boston, you can make a bigger push than Providence can um, in their respective conference. But um, just the fact that it's it's always been a close one. Like last year, it was 8-7 Boston U. In 2018, it was 12-11 Boston U. In 2017, it was 8-7 Boston won. So... I mean, Boston's won every single meeting between the two since 2016. Providence won uh, seven to four in 2015, and they've all been really, really tight games. Um, Providence also won in 2014, which was Boston U's first year, ten to seven. So it, it it's been one of the better, maybe overlooked games uh, of the early season. So, be on the lookout for that one, certainly. I believe you watched that one on Stadium, which is free, uh, which is now... The Patriot League Network is is now stadium.com, is what the Patriot League Network is. Um, Again, y'all, thanks for listening. Thanks again to Andy German for, for coming on the show. As always, you can find us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. LacrosseBucket.com is the website where it's always lacrosse season.